O Lord, how many are my foes? Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be upon your people. Okay, before we get started, I want to tell you folks how blessed you all must be with this wonderful service this morning. Seeing the challenge of these young people, living or wanting to live for God. Thank you, folks. Seeing young people going into the ministry. Wow, it's great to see people sacrifice their life to share Jesus Christ someplace on this earth. And to know that the church can be part of that. Hallelujah. That's great. And I and my wife want to thank you as Wabasi Bible for the tremendous time we have had here. You made us feel at home, made us feel loved. Even with my accent, you accepted me. (laughs) I thank you for that. My wife said, Willie, don't forget to tell people that it's the last week of chocolates. So help yourself. Okay. Uh, I'm not used to preach for many people like this. Our churches are small. But you're going to have to help me today. Okay? 
So if I'm going to ask you to do something that's weird, out of, you know, your culture, different, I tell you what, it will be a long time before I get back. You're okay. So I want to get started with reading together Psalm 3. Can we have it on there, please? Thank you. We're going to read it together in unison, okay? Okay, there we start. Oh, Lord, how many are my foes? Many. <clears throat> many are saving of my soul. There's no salvation for him in God. But you, the Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. Not be afraid, many thousands of people set itself against me all around. Selah. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the feet of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Selah. This was just in preparation for next week. Josh is going to preach on Psalm 119, and you have to read it all together. <laughs> Little joke there. But it's nice. You know, I like people to read the word and not just to, okay, say it, but read it, and then maybe it stays a little bit longer. Now, what's the occasion of this psalm? What's the problem with David? I'm listening, folks. He says, many are against me. What's his problem? Can anybody help me out here? I'm trying to see how much you know your Bible. He's running from his son. Which son? Absalom. Okay. What else happened? Okay, what did Absalom do as well? Something incredible. Whoa. Silence is golden, but that's no good, folks. What did, what did Absalom do with the wives of David? Yes. He physically abused them. The wives of his father. We can, of course, say, well, David didn't need so many wives, but that's another story. What happened to his good friend, Achitophel, the wise man? Anybody? He died, yeah, but what happened at that particular time? That's a good thing you said, all right? It's probably your mom whispering in, but that's great. <laughs> Love it. But you can speak, folks. Don't be ashamed. He switched sides. He was David's councilman. And he switched to the other side. Give you an example. He's your best buddy. He knows you through and through. You're playing cards and he's sitting behind you. And all of a sudden, I'll go sit on the other side. Not going to work. Then there was another strange guy, Shimei. Anybody know who that was? 
at the same time, as our first Arab, he threw rocks at David, threw stones. Remember that? And he cursed David and threw stones. While David and his army is going by, he just, David says, many are my foes. Many are my enemies. Just like we have today. All our problems. Fathers, maybe you have a son that got into alcohol. Wrecked your car. Maybe wrecked more than one car. And made your life miserable. Mothers, maybe you have a daughter who got into drugs. And a lot of other things happened. She came home with the baby. Don't know who the father is. Kids in school. Maybe you had a best friend and you stabbed a knife in your back. And you thought you could trust him. Told the secret to somebody. And the whole school knew it. People. Maybe... You went to work, and you were blamed for this and that and that, and you had nothing but nothing and nothing to do with it. Maybe you have financial problems, physical problems, ailments. David was there. But what I don't hear him say, what I don't see him do, is to write down all those things for the Lord. What I don't see him do, is to tell the Lord precisely, Lord, you know, this guy did that, and that guy did that, and, 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 that's what we do, at least me, I have a problem with that, you know. Sometimes I think I'm the Lord's CIA. There's one point I want to make out of all this. And if you fall asleep for the rest of the sermon, that's fine. But don't forget this. In whatever situation you and I are, God knows. And isn't that reassuring? Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? God knows in whatever situation we are today. He knows. So David doesn't make a list. He doesn't have a pity party. He goes on. But then it troubles him a little bit. Because he says, so many are saying, God cannot save him anymore. No more grace. Something I hear, because I work in jail and I hear sometimes the guards telling me, Willie, why do you talk with this guy? Why do you talk to that one? You know what they did. I want to do something this morning. Okay? Listen carefully. I want you to tap slightly on the shoulder of the person sitting to your right side. Just tap slightly. Okay? Once is enough, but that's good. You did it ten times. You're doing fine. Okay. Boy, you're all with me this morning. That's great. 
So, now I want you to do this, another thing is to tap, tap gently on the shoulder of the person to your left. Now comes the critical part. I want you now to undo that. I want you now to undo that. I see people go like that, but it doesn't work, does it? For that, what we did, whether it's something little or big, we need the grace of God. We ourselves cannot put that right. We may think so, but we don't. David had just a tremendous loving and kind attitude. And he said, Lord, they say there's no grace for me. Yet he applied grace for Absalom. Because when finally it was a battle between his army and Absalom, he says, don't kill my son. I love him. Don't kill him. I would have thought, did you know what he did? Well, then, would be better. The grace of God. God is our loving father. He loves us so much. A couple months ago, my son quit his job, didn't have another job. Three, three little kids, house payments, and my wife and I, we really were burdened with that. We were the parents. What's he going to do? How's he going to make it? But as we parents were worrying or burdened with it, God is busy much more with us than what you can think of. I want to tell you a story which I got a lesson and it just smacked me between my head just a couple of months ago. We were at the study day for chaplains and we had a speaker from Netherlands. I don't say Holland. I know your folks all say Holland. Holland is a province of Netherlands, okay? So you got a free lesson in geography, okay? So take that also with you. But uh, a speaker of Holland, and he started a rehab home for prisoners. So on a Christian basis, but anyone can come. No one is refused. Whether you're alcoholic, ex-alcoholic, or an alcoholic, whether you're a drug addict or whatever, no one is refused. And they work with you on an individual basis. They're busy with you. They talk with you. They try to help you, teach you a Christian lifestyle, but also teach you responsibility and get back in order. And, he says, when it happens that after a day, a guy comes home and he's stone drunk and he demolishes all the furniture in his room, we just go up and talk with him. And he's unresponsible to pay for that furniture. And if a week or two later it happens again, we'll do it again. And so I said, wait a second. When is the time you kick him out? And he said, and this hit me, folks. Would Jesus at any time refuse anyone? Parents, have you forgiven your kids? 
you forgiving your employer? Or your friends that backstabbed you? Kids, have you forgiven your friends that do things in school for you? That call your names? This is grace at work. Grace at work. Now, I know in the United States, in the uh, system with punishment, they say three strikes, you're out. And everybody goes, yay! Sorry, that's not grace. Yeah, really, but you should have known what they've done. Try to undo that tap on the shoulder. Try. You can't. Those people can't either. But grace is applied. David had grace for his son. Please don't kill him. I love him. No matter what he had done. And then David says, but you, O Lord, are a shield among me. What's our shield today? Did you bring your shield this morning? I believe it's the word of God. And we should use it, not lay it aside. Boy, I got a big Bible. You know, it's my mother-in-law's Bible, by the way. It goes back to Europe this time. But, but if I don't use it, it's no good. Just a little question. Don't answer me this time, okay? This time you can silently answer in yourself. Did you open your Bible this morning, had a time with God before you came here? God's word is a shield. It protects you. And the more you read it and it becomes more your own, the more you're going to feel safe and sound. God is a shield. He is the shield of David. He is your shield. He is my shield. And then he will restore us back to glory. And I always had difficulties trying to figure that out. How do you do that, Lord? What are you doing? Till about seven, eight months ago, our grandson was playing softball. And since Josh was talking about his kids, I could talk about my grandkids, okay? So he was playing softball and... Uh, or trying, and he was doing good, once in a while he hit, and then, you know, and so, at a given time, my wife and I were watching, and the coach is trying to play that ball to him, and he swings too high, he swings again, too low, he swings again, too slow, and, you know, it just went on and on and on, the guy, you know, the coach trying, okay, Quentin, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it, but... After 10, 15 times, he said, that's okay, Quentin, don't give up. And then he went and got a little stick like that where you put the ball on. I don't know what you call that. Anybody that plays softball, they know what that little stick is? A tee. I thought it was for golf, or that's what you drink, but that's okay, you know. So he put the ball on there, and Quentin goes, man, early runs, man, his glory was restored. He had a hit. And it didn't matter whether it came off the tee or, or it came off the pitch. It didn't matter. His glory was restored. And I thought, that's exactly what David says. God restores us. And we can lift our head up high and be there 
Wow. But you may, you may think, well, it just is all funny. Where are you going with all this, you know? But I think it's important. It's important for you to know that as we do something, God not only forgives, but restores and make it right. So he has already restored you for the tap on the shoulder of your neighbors. Look, it's in order. Don't sit with it. You can lift your head up high. It's fine. It's in order. And then David says, and I cried out to the Lord. And I'm just thinking, man, if I want to talk to somebody important, I probably... We'll have to make more than one phone call to get that person on the line. And we don't have to. We can cry out to the Lord and he answers us. And many times we forget to go by him. We'll go by a neighbor and talk about the situation. We go with our pastor and talk about the situation. We go with a friend and talk about the situation. Maybe we'll talk with our parents about the situation. And we forget to talk to God first. Even with our pains and with our sorrows and with whatever we have, we forget to go to God first. God, I tell people that, maybe I've told people this before, but I have something that God doesn't have. And I'm not talking about sin. Now, my wife's not allowed to answer. She knows the answer. I have something that God doesn't have. And some of you have something that God doesn't have. Any idea? Not sin, okay? I, I, we're not talking about sin, but that's right. You know, I have sin and, and God doesn't. That's right, okay? But we're not talking about sin. Okay, folks, I want you to think this morning. What would I have... Oh, by the way, these kids don't have it. Guys don't have it. I have it. You guys don't. Gave you a clue already, but you're not. You're not with me this morning, are you? I have grandchildren. God doesn't. He only has children. Got it? And he wants us as his child. Whatever age we have. That's why I said that you don't have grandchildren yet. I think that's logical, okay? <laughs> I thought I can help the congregation with that, but they weren't with it this morning. But that's okay, you know. But I can cry out to the Lord there where I am, in whatever situation, in whatever place. I can cry out to the Lord and he answers. If God with no answer, what sense would it be to cry out? If God would be silent, what sense would it be? God is there. God answers. He answers from his holy mountain. Even though I'm filthy of sin, he answers from his holy mountain. He stays holy and saint and all above that, but yet he wants to communicate. 
He wants to help and to guide and to give me precisely that what I need, to give you precisely that what you need. And maybe his answer is no. And later we may come to understand. Or maybe we will never understand. But God answers. How many of you have had real prayers answered? I see some hands or not. God answers. Sometimes in ways we cannot understand how he does it. But he does. And David was experiencing that. He saw the grace of God. He knew God would answer from out his holy mountain. And then David said, you know, I lay down and slept. And three weeks ago, Josh said something about sleeping, and that was sleeping. This is not sleeping this time, folks. This is being able to lay down and be peaceful. Just when Jesus went with his disciples in the boat, he lay down and he thought, let's teach him a lesson. I got peace. All is well. Yeah, one more, please. Yeah, another one. One back, please. Can you sing this with me? A cappella? Okay. When peace like a river abandoned my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Next week, you all be in the choir here, okay? Thank you. I appreciate that. But I wanted to hear from you. It is well with my soul. There's a peace that comes in that passes all understanding. Philippians chapter 4 speaks of that. And David, throughout all these difficulties, now, mind you, nothing was solved. He was still on the run. He could say, I lay down and slept. And I woke up, he was awakened in safety. In safety. He didn't have to worry. And that's for all of us. That's for really inclusive, inclusive. We don't have to worry. It's something I'm good in at. I can worry about things. <laughs> if I'm not in control of certain things, I'm worried. 
my wife is a good driver. But when I'm sitting next to her, my feet, well, we have stick shift, you know, my feet go as well. You know, she says, it's no sense me driving so can, you can rest a little bit because you rest more when you drive and not drive with me. True? And sometimes we worry about the dumbest things. At least I do. And I'm supposed to be a missionary, a veteran missionary. Still worry at times. And it's sometimes so difficult to give the control to God. More difficult to give the control to your wife. I realize that, man. But anyhow, you know. But David said, I woke up and there was safety all around me. Oh, he liked that. His problems weren't weren't gone. The situation wasn't any different. But his outlook at the situation was completely different. He was safe and secure by God. And not only that, he was safe and secure by God. He got something that reminds me of an old uh, advertisement on TV. People my age and a little bit younger and older will know that when somebody puts a battery on his shoulder and says, I dare you. You know? Ever seen that? That shows your age. That's okay, you know? But... He says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 anymore. Okay, guys, let me go. Come on, let's go. And that's what we should have in Jesus Christ. My two colleagues at jail had a service. And the week thereafter came to me and said, really? Man, that one guy, that tall guy, you know, he just made so much wreckers in the service in jail. And, you know, it just... I said, okay, guys, then you need to go to him. And tell him he's not allowed to come anymore. Because I have standards in jail that I have to keep as well. They said, oh, really, no. A guy six foot six. And we're little guys. Well, one is a little bit shorter than I am, the other one a little bit taller. I said, okay, guys, why don't you walk with me and you're going to see how we do that. Okay. See the guy walking someplace, I go to him, and he knows I'm coming for him, you know. I go to him, smiling. I said, hey, I'm talk to you. He knew something was up. So with his six foot six, he puts his face right here. I mean, right here. I said, hey, you got to be a lot bigger to intimidate me, you know. Kind of looks. I said, you're not allowed to come to service anymore. We disrupted the whole thing. We cannot allow that. And I said, you can go to the director of jail and tell him you're not allowed to go to service. I don't have to give the director any answer. Why not? And I can keep you out of service for the rest of your time in here. He's got no business with that. That was pretty cruel, wasn't it? But I think I knew what I was doing. Three weeks later, I got the nicest little note of that guy. Mr. Chaplain, Willie, I haven't called me Willie, you know. Could I please come back to the service? I will be a good boy. 
That's exactly what was on there. So I went to him. He apologized again. He said, and it won't happen anymore. It won't happen anymore. And for the rest of his term, he came to services. And we had no problem. And he listened. He did not make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. But he heard the gospel more than once, I will tell you. Sometimes in Jesus Christ, we can be solid, we can be sure of ourselves, because God strengthened me. David says, I'm not afraid of 10,000 of them. And sometimes we're afraid for this and for that and for that, while in Jesus Christ we have victory. In Jesus Christ we have power. In Jesus Christ we have all that we need. I dare you. See how David is growing in this song? You start out, Lord, my enemies. Now he's saying, hey, I dare you. <laughs> Different story. But the same thing. And then the next verse, I will, yeah, arise, O Lord, save me, O God. Yeah, again, praise to God. But I like the other part. For you strike all the enemies on the cheek. What does that mean? It's biblical, by the way, but what does it mean? Be struck on the cheek. Oh. I'm to tell you a biblical story. In the Old Testament, when... Uh, Somebody's brother died and they didn't have a child. Then the next brother was supposed to marry with that woman and have a child for his brother, with the name of his brother. You with me? Yeah? You knew that was like that? But if that brother didn't want to, then that lady could, in front of everybody, take the, that guy's sandal and slap him in the cheek to put him to shame. That's what this means. You slap them on the, on the cheek. You put them to shame. That is what David is saying. Lord, you are putting my enemies to shame. Slap them on the cheek. And then the next, the next one, you break the teeth of the wicked. I mean, God's got many dentists up there. No, that's not it. What is that? That's not what it is. But it is you make them harmless. They cannot bite me anymore. They cannot come back at me anymore. Lord, you deal with it. You put them to shame and you stop it completely. When God has a solution, it's not a half solution. It's not a make-do. It's not, you know, next year we'll repair that. You know, uh, I'm like that. Sometimes I repair something in the house and I say, only next year I'll do it better. When God does something, he does it right. And he makes the enemy harmless. And it happens, folks, in your daily life. If you walk with the Lord, you see what he is doing. I was accused of something that I supposedly had done wrong. 
Um, this is by the head of the Protestant church in Belgium. And he's a big guy and, you know, is really mad at me. And you, Willie? I said, hey, you know, don't, don't shout at me. If you shout, I walk away. You know, this is Willie. And then I was looking through my emails and three years ago, they themselves asked me to do that. So now we send them the letter. God takes care of things. God takes care of things. I think it's going to be put to shame when I get back to Belgium. I'm going to see him and, hey, who's hollering now? You know. God takes care of things. And this is what David says. It is so beautiful. He says, shatter the teeth of the wicked. Because, he says, victory is from God. It's not from Willie. It's not from Sue. It's not from any of us. It's not... You know, things we do. Victory comes from the Lord. Reading Joshua the other day, and uh, God killed more of the Jebusites and Hivites and other ites, whatever, you know, all those tribes and everything, than Israel did themselves. God took care of them. He went ahead of them. And so he goes ahead for us. And takes care of us in marvelous ways. Love it. Love it. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Amen. We forget. But salvation belongs to the Lord. In him we are saved. And then there's something else. You know, victory is there over every situation. Over sin. Over enemies. Over difficulties. Over trials. And then God gives us something more. Blessings. And sometimes those blessings come in little things, but sometimes it can be overpowering. Our youngest son turned back to the Lord eight months ago, seven months ago. And to see his little children now pray, to hear him pray, to hear him sing songs of praise. And, and uh, one of the particular songs they like is Noah built the ark. And then they go with all the... the the motions in the, in the, in the uh, grocery store and they're singing and everybody's looking at them. It's just great. What a blessing. What a blessing here this morning to be together. Seeing the young people on fire for the Lord and missionaries wanting to go out. What a blessing and sometimes we don't see it. It's a beautiful song. I'm going to mimic the psalm in one minute. And then we're going to close off. This is how David starts. Oh, Lord, my enemies did many on the And he walks out. Glorious, victorious. That, that is Psalm 3 to me. And may it be that in your life. This morning... And every day anew. Can we go back to it as well? Will we stand? And can we sing that song again? Thank you. When peace like a river at my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, 
Well, thank you for bringing the word. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of parallels. It's amazing how the spirit works because everything you shared this morning, I think our students heard about 10 different times this week that when your identity is in the Lord and you're found in Christ, you have security and strength. You have a father who's strong and who loves you, even if maybe your earthly father didn't do the greatest job. You have a heavenly father. And when you're his, when you're his kid, when you're his child, you're all his forever and a recipient of his grace. Uh, We're going to take our offering now and uh, sing together. And uh, as we take our offering, if you're a guest with us, uh, we don't ask anything from you. We have a gift for you, actually, at the Connect desk as you leave. Um, but as we, as the ushers come to take the offering now, I want to read to you from, from another psalm uh, which, in which uh, the author parallels very much uh, what David wrote in Psalm 3. Psalm 139, and the song we're about to sing comes from this psalm. Uh, but he, he talks, of, it begins like this, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. I think of David's uh, situation in Psalm 3 as well he preached. He, he said, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. And he talks about salvation belonging to the Lord. And in Psalm 139, O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. He goes on in verse 4, Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't understand it. And he goes on. He says, how precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they're more than the sand. When I awake, I awake and I am still with you.